Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom and think. My name is Sam Dover. I'm a senior beauty and personal care analyst here at Mintel. And today I'm joined by Richard, Rebecca and Jamie to discuss Mintel's 2030 household trends. So to get us started, can I just ask you all to briefly introduce yourselves? We'll start with Jamie. Yeah, my name is Jamie Rosenberg. I've been with Mintel for seven years now. Um, I'm a senior household and personal care analyst. And prior to joining Mintel, I was on the client side. I worked with um, um, Kimberly Clark for 12 years um, and I'm very happy to be here today. Amazing. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm Rebecca Cullen. I am the Senior Household Care Analyst here at Mintel. Um, I've been here for a little bit over five years and I'm based in the Chicago office. Thank you. And Richard. Hello, everyone. Hello, Sam. Um, Yeah, so I'm Richard Hopping. I have been at Mintel since 2011. On LinkedIn yesterday, I was reminded it was my ninth work anniversary. Um, I'm a global household analyst and started kind of working with household in about 2015 um, and now kind of head up the European team for our household content. Brilliant. Um, So before we get into the nitty gritty, I'm just going to say that this is very much a snapshot of Mintel's 2030 household trends and you can find so much more information at mintel.com. So to get to get us going, can one of you briefly tell me about the 2030 household trends and how these were created? Yeah, so I'll start off with just giving a little bit of background about how we came to create these trends. So typically, our annual category trends take about a one to three year outlook on some different trends we see happening in the household category, some innovations we see unfolding that are really going to reshape how we see new product development, how consumers care for the home. And we decided to take a more extended outlook this time just because we see these changes happening happening so rapidly and we know that a lot of clients are looking to have a more um, lengthened outlook on these different developments so that they could be ahead of the curve and not just trying to keep up with everything. So we started working on our 2030 trends um, last fall and I don't think that they could be more perfectly timed just with everything that happened. So um, we created Clean Machine and Together in Isolation, which I'll let Richard and Jamie talk a little bit more about. Um, But I think they are very fitting for these times. So handing it off to one of you two, if you guys want to do an intro on our trends. Yeah, sure. So um, I'll probably, it's probably best if I discuss our Together in Isolation trend and then Jamie goes on to talk about Clean Machine. Um, But yeah, so following on from what you said, Rebecca, we, we kind of identified topics that relevant in 2020, had been relevant just before then as well, Um, but also that we considered being really, really important over the next 10 years as well. So Together in Isolation really looks at the idea of sustainability, uh, which has obviously been a a huge buzzword over the last few years anyway, but is also going to have a massive influence on how companies, brands, consumers behave over the next 10 years as well. So we kind of looked at how we thought that would evolve um, based on what we know in 2020, which is that it is becoming more popular, that consumers are becoming more aware of the plight of our planet and and what that means for consumer behavior on an individual level. Um, And we kind of recognized that 
in probably about five years' time, the vast majority of products and brands are going to be claiming to be sustainable in some way or another. They're, they're all going to be claiming to do better for the environment. So it's really about how brands can kind of try and stand out um, from this increasingly crowded segment of the market, um, what kind of steps they can take. And a lot of it was about things like transparency um, and, and an evolving definition of sustainability as well. So one of the things that we'll probably talk about going forwards, but is this idea of health and how health in particular is almost going to become a new defining factor of sustainability. Um, so that's basically the trend in a nutshell. As you mentioned, Sam, it's impossible to explain it in anything less than about 40 minutes. So I won't go on for that <laughs> long because um, we'll, we'll probably go into a bit more detail further on. But um, yeah, that's together in isolation. So Jamie, if you want to just talk us through clean machine as well. Yeah, so the, the clean machine trend anticipates that by 2030, technology will have advanced to create unprecedented convenience and health and wellness and personalization. And that will drive its mainstreaming, um, at least in the world's wealthiest economies. Um, so today, in 2020, robots and, and other types of home automation keep evolving to take on more tasks. So we envision this world where, where robots um, sort of evolve to become the, the new smartphones. And you know, I remember a day when we called smartphones the new Swiss Army knives, where they, they, they take on the role of um, all these previous um, previously standalone devices. And when we created this trend, we thought a lot about how the, the pace of technological change is exponential, but also how in this case, it's well-timed with consumer drivers, like our growing elderly populations. You know, we all lose physical capacity to care for our homes as we age. So we saw automation potentially playing a much larger role there. And so automation will drive quality of life because it will keep us independent. Um, it has the potential to keep us healthier. That's where we could really see a strong tipping point. Um, and there could even be, um, you know, we, we talked today about how robots and automation are very expensive and, and beyond the reach of the average consumer. But we could see... Um, a scenario where there's actually cost benefits to society um, because we're becoming more automated. Amazing, thank you. Um, so yeah, it's a very brief introduction there. And I think probably similar in terms of you could probably talk about this question for all day, I would imagine. But as we've kind of touched on a couple of times, COVID-19 has dramatically changed. I mean, it's dramatically changed everything, but I'm going to guess a lot has changed since um, you created Household Trends. Um, if anybody wants to kind of briefly talk about how things have changed. Um, you know, a, a crisis on the scale of a global pandemic has a way of accelerating change in a lot of ways. So when we think about the clean machine trend um, and how our homes have, have really become that last refuge that protects us against the virus, then all of a sudden technology that automatically sanitizes our, our surfaces, that purifies the air we breathe, um, it transitions pretty quickly from expensive extravagance to become a practical necessity. And, you know, this, of the two trends that we're discussing today, this is probably the most far afield, especially when we, we talk in the context of consumer packaged goods. 
But there's also a precedent where crises tend to democratize technology. Um, so today during the COVID crisis, we're hearing a lot about how people who are lower income, who are elderly, who live in rural areas, are less likely to have internet access. So, um, and of course, internet access is our way of staying connected um, to our families, to our communities. It's also become a critical way of, um, of getting much needed supplies into the home. And that's especially important for the elderly and other people who are, at, who are most vulnerable to the virus. So at the most basic level, we can start to envision policy shifts that close the digital divide. Um, so if we extrapolate that, um, that trend or that, that prediction to 2030, um, you know, robots, household robots that keep us healthier and independent for longer could actually become more mainstream because of crises like, like COVID-19. And I think it's really interesting because when we first presented these trends back in January, February, I think a lot of the response to this trend was talking about how technology is maybe a little bit more negative than it is positive towards our lives. We think about data privacy. We think about, um, you know, how automation could remove jobs. But now technology is being that saving grace because it's protecting our human our human health. We know we have a lot more use of robots in hospitals because then it's protecting the workers there and it's a lot safer. But even this trend looks at how we have these mechanical drivers, but also humanity consumers are going to really crave that human interaction because we have everything getting automated. So now we've really seen this accelerate both ends of those spectrum, but also merging them together. We think about the rise of delivery services and, you know, can, after this, consumers are going to very much so crave that human interaction. So I think the pandemic has really accelerated both ends of this trend. Um, and I think we could pat ourselves on the back because it has done a really great job of showing how we are going to see these advancements and technology is going to hit this, is, has really hit this tipping point of where health is pushing it forward and really helping mainstream that adoption. Yeah, I think you're... You're totally right in the perception that technology has, but the, the, the technology that's enabled us to, on a, on a very basic level for people like us, we can all work at home. Um, we are allowed to do that by technology. We obviously know that it's very likely there's going to be a recession coming, but technology may be able to enable people to continue working. Whereas otherwise, maybe they would have lost their job, um, you know, 20 years ago, even maybe 10 years ago during the last recession. So it's definitely showing a new light on, on technology as a whole. Um, and I think what you said, Rebecca, about, and, and Jamie as well, about this idea of health um, really push you through. In terms of innovation, health is a massive driver of innovation. We've seen that, like you were talking about, with the use of robots in hospitals, uh, diagnostic devices uh, for measuring air quality um, and potentially measuring things like the presence of viruses in the home. They're, they're huge innovations which this kind of crisis is going to accelerate. So when we spoke about them in our trends, we were probably not expecting something like this to happen quite so soon that would accelerate those trends that, have, that we were expecting to happen. And it's a similar fashion with the together in isolation trend because we mentioned about how we thought health was going to become a defining part of sustainability. We and, and also that there was going to be this greater understanding of health on a global scale. 
we definitely weren't expecting this when we first decided to kind of develop this topic in probably about September last year, that within six months, we'd all be in the situation that we're in now. I mean, we, we called it Together in Isolation. I think, Jamie, you came up with a title for, for this one, Together in Isolation. I mean, the coincidence that has happened from that is just incredible. Um, <laughs> But what we're seeing in the short term is that health is a really big driver of that trend as well. Um, obviously, people's reaction has been to the virus has been to increase their health and hygiene habits, review those behaviours. So that kind of focus on health and, and how consumers can respond to those potential threats, that's increased a lot faster um, than we were expecting to happen. And, and across both of the trends that we've looked at, that's creating a... a of massive opportunities that maybe we weren't expecting to, to come around quite so quickly. Really interesting. So sustainability is one of the core themes, I think, throughout the Together in Isolation trend. And I might be alone in this, but I can't help but think COVID-19 might have seen this drop down the priority list for consumers. I might be on my own, but the one thing I noticed when I was shopping before lockdown was that the Everyone was panic buying, but the one thing that tended to be left on the shelves was the eco-friendly products. Do you, do you think that this sustainability is going to revive itself, I guess, or is it even, has it even gone away during the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, th- th- this is a really interesting concept because on the surface, this might seem like a contradiction. When, when you look at what's out of stock the, um, the most in, in this environment, it really is the, the, the disinfecting wipes and these more traditional um, cleaners that, that kill germs. But we, we have to remember that, um, you know, there, there's a number of other key drivers here. So prior to the pandemic, consumers were already turning towards natural products because of perceptions that they're better for human health and the planet. Now, we anticipate that, that natural products, especially natural disinfectants, um, if they're effective, will grow not in spite of, of the virus, but because of it. So you think about how, um, you know, most of us during lockdown, we're, we're focusing on, on health, where we're eating healthy, we're taking antioxidants, we're exercising, we're meditating, we're ensuring that we are approaching both physical and mental health in a way that keeps us um, healthy. And so one outcome of all this, I think, is that we're actually going to see less polarization between natural and mainstream brands. And, you know, today, um, green brands, eco-friendly brands, are targeting very different consumer segments. Um, and many natural brands say, you know, buy our product because they're, they're better for you and they're better for the planet. But the pandemic has also created better educated consumers. They'll come out of this with a keener understanding that there's a time to disinfect and a time to simply clean. Um, And, you know, especially when you consider that today, disinfectants are hard to come by. I know in my household where we're, um, rationing our disinfecting products because, um, you know, they are hard to, to get. So, um, you know, so, so we ask ourselves, do we really need to disinfect here or do we need to clean? So going forward, um, I don't think it's going to be as much of a contradiction to see natural cleaners and traditional disinfectants under the same brand portfolio because they're going to be seen as contradictory by our, um, our new wave of better educated consumers. I think that we, we all expected the idea of sustainability to take a bit of a hit 
in the aftermath of COVID-19 because we obviously health and hygiene has been the main focus. We know that those natural eco-friendly products maybe don't have the best perception for killing germs effectively. And that's been one of the things that's often held it back in the past. But when we've actually looked at some of the research on this, I was actually quite surprised because uh, this is a UK stat. So I don't know how it compares across different regions, but we asked about different priorities in the aftermath of COVID-19. And actually, I think it was 22% said that they were placing higher priority on the environment compared to 8% who were placing less priority. Uh, I think this was in April, towards the end of April, maybe early May. So this was after COVID-19 had been around for a long time. Maybe some of the that sort of peak of concern around um, hygiene had sort of passed a little bit but actually i think it it kind of reflects this this thing that we've all actually for the last couple of months those of us who have been in lockdown or countries where industry travel transport those kind of things have shut down we've all actually taken the environment around us immediately around us i think we've all looked at it in a new way we've we've kind of reconnected with it and we've seen over the last couple of months what kind of impact humans actually have on the planet because we've seen the difference that it's made when people haven't been quite so active and industries shut down a bit so it's kind of drawing new attention on the the human impact of this not necessarily just the damage that we're doing but also the positivity that we can do as well so i think it's going to encourage people to recognize that actually they can make a difference so although sustainability may have dropped down i think it's actually going to come back with something of a vengeance yeah, even though we didn't, um, we did ask, I think, about future um, priorities, but even we asked about in terms of household claims right now, what's the most important when shopping for household cleaning products? And even though it's much lower, um, U.S. consumers are still looking for these different eco claims. About one in five are looking for claims like biodegradable or even natural ingredients. So, it's still on their mind, even though it's a little bit on the back burner at the moment. I completely agree with Richard where it's consumers are seeing that these little changes that they're making are going to have a huge impact on the world around them. So that's really going to motivate them. And even thinking about how we're having to use a lot of single use products right now, and even any conversations about reopening the um, economy or restaurants, there's a lot of conversation about how we're going to have to rely on these single use and disposable options in order to preserve our health. So I think that's even going to be a bigger motivator to really have these innovations that really support sustainability. Consumers are going to look to adopt these different behaviors and other aspects of their life that are more environmentally friendly and have a less harmful impact on the planet. And they're going to really look to brands to be able to do that. I think also what's interesting is, is we're going to learn more about this in the coming few months as, as lockdowns are relaxed slightly. Um, we've seen that in most cases, um, products on the shelves have kind of gone back to normal. Demand has kind of returned to normal. So actually, whereas before you were buying whatever is available, um, this time when, when lockdown is uh, released, I think we're going to see a second wave of this sort of care and attention towards hygiene. I think we've all become not complacent as such, but we haven't been leaving our houses as much. So we don't feel like we're bringing the outside in as much as we are. We, we're very much in control of our current environment. As we start to go out more, start to congregate in public places, maybe public transport, going back to work, things like that, 
there's a chance we're going to be bringing the outside back with us again. And that's going to drive a second wave of care and attention around hygiene. At that point, we might see what everyone has actually learned throughout the last few months in terms of this idea around the environment and sustainability. Is it something we want to preserve? All of this nice blue skies and uh, smog-free atmospheres that we've been experiencing. Do, do we want to continue with, with that drive that we were doing before, which I, th- I think will happen? So moving on, I, I really like the idea that automation and AI has real potential to ease the burden of household care, but I'm really interested to know how this is playing out at the minute. And also, I think it'd be really interesting to know if this is actually going to be a reality for the masses. Is this something that is possible for the mainstream for the mainstream in the near future? Or actually, is this more for, let's say, affluent consumers? Yeah. Um, I mean, this is really interesting um, in the context of value because today, true automation of, of household chores really is expensive and it's beyond the reach of the average consumer. At the same time, though, it, it's not exactly a new concept. I mean, the, the first Roomba vacuum launched way back in 2002. So many of us have already been cleaning with robots for nearly 20 years. Um, and then over the, the, the last few years, there's been this explosion of, of smart devices that work with, with household hubs from tech giants like Amazon and Google. And these allow us to automate our, our lighting and our heating and our security. So more and more consumers are at least getting their feet wet when it comes to um, automating household tasks. Now, today, we're, we're seeing prototypes of, of these highly dexterous robots that can take on um, more household tasks. You know, again, as I, as I mentioned before, it's that whole um, smartphone concept moving into these other types of technology. So when we look out to 2030, and when we think about how the, the pace of innovation in this arena is exponential, And also that there's a precedent where expensive luxuries eventually become affordable necessities. If the need is there, then we can start to anticipate this world where automation of household tasks start to mainstream by 2030. And we've been talking about how the COVID crisis is accelerating that need. Um, Consumers and governments are, are going to have incentive to drive this. And, you know, we alluded earlier that where we could really start to see a tipping point towards the mainstreaming of all this stuff is when it starts to make us healthier. So automation that detects and remediates health hazards like viruses on our surfaces or, or in, our, in our air, that is another um, driver of value that could push this into the mainstream um, over the next 10 years. Yeah, and we've definitely seen a lot more dropping of the price points, too. I mean, at the Consumer Electronics Show this past year, um, that's held every year in Las Vegas, we saw numerous um, different one-off devices like smart mirrors that can, you know, they analyze the environmental factors like UV pollution, but also they're able to analyze consumers' faces to actually diagnose what type of products that they're using. And, and to Jamie's point, it's this 
tipping point is the convenience and health aspect of everything. So when consumers really see that value in a product that's going to benefit their health and well-being and also introduce a lot more convenience into their lives, that's when we're going to see this mainstreaming and we are seeing it become a lot more affordable um, and not require as much oversight as we have seen in a lot of robotics and automated products that we have in our home. So it's definitely feasible that we could see this in the next five years where we're going to see a lot more automation in the home. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important to, to recognize that when we talk about things like automation and AI, we're not necessarily just talking about those really high functioning robots that are going to go around your house and do all your laundry, do all your cleaning for you. There's a lot of sort of less intrusive devices, which I think certainly in the short term, that's where there's real scope for mainstream appeal. Um, I mean, we've seen, you know, smart home devices are becoming more and more popular all the time. People are starting to see the benefits of those kind of products. When you add that to health-related products, which we're, we're seeing more of, that's, um, as Jamie said, going to be a really big driver. Um, but it's also about this kind of merging together of science and technology as well. So again, it's not necessarily just robotics, but also technology and science, which is creating longer lasting claims, for example. We've seen quite a lot of products come around recently, even since um, in 2020, there's been a, a bigger drive towards products which are claiming to last for longer. So you put it on a surface, a cleaning product on a surface, and it lasts for 24 hours. Some probiotics talk about how they have a cleaning action for up to three days. Um, I know that, Jamie, you've, you've noted a couple of examples um, in the last couple of months, which are talking even longer period of time than that. So yeah. I think that's, again, where there's a lot more potential for automation to come in the home. It's not necessarily just these robotic devices doing those things for you, but science doing a lot of that job for you. Yeah, and I, I agree with Richard that um, we're going to see, you know, we're, we're talking out over 10 years, and, and that's a very long period of time when it comes to the evolution of technology. Um, brands, and especially household brands, truly are going to need intermediate products. And, you know, Richard mentioned probiotics, and that's really interesting because I, I actually think of probiotic cleaners as another form of innovation. It's just that it's bio, or another form of automation. It's just that it's biological automation rather than mechanical automation. So um, it's already happening on a number of, of different fronts. Um, but there's going to be other consumer drivers. Um, so the aging population, um, I think, is going to be huge. Now, in 2020, um, seniors aren't exactly early adopters of, um, of automation technology. Um, but by 2030, um, aging boomers, especially the younger end of the boomer generation, they are quite tech savvy. Um, they're also showing a lot of resolve to, to remain independent and in their homes for as long as possible. Um, so there's an emotional benefit there. But at the same time, some societies are going to want to keep people independent. Um, so Japan is a good example. It's the oldest country in the world. About 30% of the population is over the age of 65. That country is already turning to robots to help people who need physical help. Finland is doing something similar. And they're doing this um, in part because it's uh, um, the compassionate policy choice, but it's also the financially prudent policy choice. So we're running out of time slightly. So I've got one last question for you all. Um, 
I would, I'm really interested in knowing what you guys all think the best innovations that you've seen in household care recently. Um, I'm going to start this one off because I'm scared that one of you two might steal this one. Um, but actually something that I shared uh, a couple a week ago, I don't even know, time is time is not really um, something that I can keep track of at the moment, but it's called O3 Waterworks. And I, and it's really interesting because it, I think it kind of taps into both of our trends really well. So it turns tap water into um, aquaforous ozone. So basically electrolyzed water to disinfect surfaces, a range of surfaces, protect surfaces, but also it can disinfect the air is one of its claims as well. So even though it does have a fairly steep price point, I think it's around $200. It also claims to basically replace having to purchase household cleaners for, I think, what was it, five to 10 years. So I think it was really interesting to see one of our um, kind of predictions. And we talked about this in one of our past trends, um, Homes in Detox. So it was really interesting and exciting to kind of see one of our trends really coming to fruition. Yeah, I, I think this is a really fascinating product because it uses tap water and turns it into a disinfecting product. And um, in our, our 2017 Homes in Detox trend, as, as Rebecca mentioned, um, we talked about a, a toilet. Um, launched by Toto, which does sort of the same thing just to clean the toilet. It uses the, the incoming supply of tap water to create its own supply of electrolyzed water. And so the fact that consumers have this capability now is, is fascinating. Any, anyone else um, got any other innovations that they want to add or is that one far and away leading? <laughs> I'll add one. So this is not yet a consumer product, but I think it has the potential, um, especially when we're talking um, in the context of, of this pandemic, um, McMaster University has developed something that they call Repel Wrap. It's essentially, you know, it looks kind of like Saran Wrap, um, but it's something that you can shrink wrap on surfaces. Um, now, today you can already put self-cleaning countertops in your home because they're embedded with an antimicrobial chemistry. Um, and so even though I think today McMaster University has institutional use in mind as the main, uh, as the main market, if this migrates into the consumer sphere, then in a pandemic type of culture, the ability to immediately make any surface self-cleaning and antimicrobial and antiviral, I think shows a, a great deal of potential around these intermediary products that, that you know, create self-cleaning homes. Amazing. I think I'm going to take a slightly different approach uh, to Jamie and Rebecca, who have both gone with quite high-tech quite disruptive kind of technologies. Um, I, I wrote about five different products down that I tend to find myself referencing quite a lot. Um, but I've chosen one, which is called Nine Elements. And the reason why I like it is because it does a really good job at transparency, essentially. And that's something that we, we're talking about a lot um, in terms of sustainability, um, and in terms of ingredients, um, kind of what individual ingredients do in particular products. And I just like this one because it's really simple. I mean, you can probably tell from the name that it contains nine ingredients. Um, and they're all vinegar-based, so it's kind of bringing in some of those um, ingredients which are inherently comforting and reassuring to consumers who are 
concerned about the kind of ingredients that they're using in their products. Um, and so it's, it's, it's not necessarily innovation in, in terms of really high tech and really disruptive, but I think in terms of the messaging and the, in terms of positioning, I think it's really, really effective. Um, bear in mind everything we're seeing around things like concern about ingredients and this kind of shift of clean into household care, which obviously we haven't really discussed today, but it, it really ties in with that really quite closely. So that's why I like that one. Amazing. Um, so sadly, that is all we've got time for today. But don't forget, as I said earlier, there is a whole load more information about the 2030 household trends on the Mintel.com platform. And we are constantly updating our content at the minute with everything about how COVID has impacted basically everything. So please do visit Mintel.com. If you want to know more about us, who we are, what we do, head over to the website or follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. And we've also got a blog and that's it. So thank you for listening. Please make sure you subscribe, rate and review this podcast. And if you like what you've heard today, then please do spread the word and we will catch you next week for a new episode of The Little Conversation. (laughs) 